Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. With that being said, um, this episode in particular, I feel like, is going to be pretty conversational. Um, Mm. We're talking about the third wave of feminism, and that kind of rushed right up into the fourth wave, or... Which is what we're in. Yeah, or today's feminism. So I feel like... It's going to be pretty chatty. It's going to be super, super chatty. So what I found, too, is that men, for the most part, really don't like... The chit-chat? The chit-chat. Well, I mean, I think it's going to be informative chit-chat. Right. It's not just going to be, like, us talking about holes in our socks for 20 minutes. (laughs) I had to cut a little bit of that down. (laughs) I just realized I'm, like, almost done with my wine, but that's fine. We'll take a we'll take a commercial break. break Okay, we had technical difficulties. Mm -hmm. If you heard last like last week's full week full week full length episode, then you heard our technical issue. Something is going on with my editing software. Uh, don't know what's up. You know what I just thought of? Huh. Okay, the girls from Two Girls, One Ghost are having audio issues. We're having audio issues. It's Is a there conspiracy. A this goes right to the top. It goes right to the top. <laughs> All the way to the top, folks. <laughs> or uh, it could be a ghost. I'm, I'm right? willing to accept either possibility. But if it is a ghost, then they have a grudge against HP laptops. They're Not Macs. Yeah, they're definitely, like, not a PC. Okay. They're a Mac. We recorded an entire episode last week, and then I immediately, I was like, oh, we did so good. I immediately went to edit it, because we had one night to edit yeah. it in, and I was, was like, what the Do you fuck? remember that time that we literally recorded yes. half an episode without yes. it recording? Look, man, we're not sound engineers. <laughs> we didn't go to school for this. Like, we're just figuring took, it like, out. I took, like, two classes. Like, <laughs> God, yeah, no. Like, okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, welcome Welcome, guys. If you've <laughs> never listened before, I have a semi cold hot toddy because that took us like 30 minutes to try she and figure out how to record. It's 10 o'clock p.m. right now. We so, usually yeah. record much earlier. Also, be aware that we might be giddy because it's late. Yep. Um, but it's I'm. It's the late night edition. Yeah, it's the sexy, like, 900 <laughs> number edition of the show. We're just wearing silk robes and fluffy slippers. That actually sounds fantastic, but cold. But yeah, also cold. It's not warm enough in here tonight. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I'm actually really excited about today's episode. I get really excited about most episodes. I'm <laughs> especially excited about tonight because I feel like. We're getting less into, like, the let's tell you about the history and, like, give you a book report and Mm -hmm. more into, like, what the rest of our podcast is going to be about. Yeah. You know, because our podcast is generally going to be pretty fourth wave centric with information from history involved. So I think the closer we kind of get to that, the more excited I'm getting as Mm -hmm. well. I just love the third wave in general. Like, and it's weird because online... I, I don't think that you see as much vitriol. Sometimes that word sounds weird. It sounded weird, but I get it. But that is what it is, isn't it? I don't know. Vit- anyway, as you do, like, you you see more of that, like, hatred directed towards, like, third-wave feminism than I feel like any other well, wave. Well, because, well, we'll get into the criticism of it and the fact that there wasn't a really a clear singular goal. There wasn't one reason why they were doing it. And I feel like in this day and age, people are like, oh, they wanted, they wanted the right to vote. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Okay, they wanted workers' rights. Okay, I get it. Yeah. But in the third wave, it's so broad 
that and it means something different to so to everybody that I feel like it's harder for people to wrap their head around it because it is such an individual well, individual time. And I feel like it's such a it's such a symbol of like the patriarchal society that we live in mm-hmm. that they were like okay, we'll let you vote. Like, we get that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, you want equal pay, even though we're still not going to give it to you. We get that. Yeah. Oh, you you want to be able to just, like, live your life the way that you want to, and, and yeah, you want to focus more on, like, gender norms and, and queer rights and things like that. You've crossed a line. Well, because it never stops. You know what I mean? We're mm-hmm. always going to be finding the next thing that we want to make better, and I think that's the other thing, too, is that it's constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. We're not going after one singular thing. We're constantly trying to make ourselves better and our politics better you know what i mean yeah. it's not just like we're after one goal we are out for everybody's best interest you know right well and i think whenever i was doing research for this and kind of just the way that i feel generally about modern day feminism and and third wave feminism going into the fourth wave is that third wave in particular these are the daughters or the children of second wave feminists so mm-hmm. the people you know third wave spans well, some from people called it Second wave part two. He, yeah, I don't like, like that. The critics, the critics, yeah, not the feminists. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't like that. I don't but because yeah, it spanned from about like 1990 to I saw the end point varying. I put that in quotes. The, I saw 2012 on. I I Wikipedia. saw 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Some people say 2005. Some people say 2012. Honestly, I could see both. Yeah. Um, because I consider the start of the fourth wave. First of all, I think these two waves, like third and fourth wave, run into each other a yeah. lot more it's than... Barely, it's, like, it's like a wave that... Kind of just morphed into another... Yeah, it didn't ever really go down. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. went up, and then it went further up. Yeah, know? it became like a tsunami. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's, what I was looking. That's the metaphor because, I was like, looking for. Because there was a big gap between first and second wave. Yes. And then there was a like decade-long gap between second and third wave. Yeah. But Well, and there's people out there that actually criticize the wave thing because yes, they I've seen feel that too. like it negates what was happening between the waves... Well, things are always um, evolving and always changing, but what you see are little explosions, like yeah. which is what they define the first. It's of course there's stuff because technically, like that Rosie Riveter stuff was not like technically part of the second wave, but of course but stuff was, was happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and of course it's part of what led up into the like what we define as the second wave. Yeah, but what I think people don't get about the third wave is because they're like, I don't understand what they're upset about. Yeah, is these are the daughters of the of the second wave. Like, their parents were in the second wave. And what you saw going from the second wave into the third wave in the 1980s, when you watch movies like Working Girl and movies like that, are like, what happened was women were trying to be... They were accepted into these spaces, kind of. They kind of pushed their way into these, like, workspaces. And then in order to survive, they had to kind of become like the men. Like, they wanted to join the boys' club, so they had to become like the boys. And then the third wave was basically like, we think that's fucked up. We should yeah. be allowed to be women in our spaces and well, do it differently. And that's one of the that's another criticism is that a lot of times it's called girly feminism. Um, it's often associated with like the lipstick or girly feminists and the rise of raunch culture. And um, right, like very like uh, like Madonna erotica, open seemed, sex, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, but but it's seen again because people are belittling belittling the fact that like it's girly. As though it's lesser than, which is funny because it's, that's exactly what we're fighting against. We're showing the um, strength in being feminine and being yeah. Because to me, but it's a but it's definitely one of the criticisms. You know, I don't see it as a girly as a girly feminism at all. But a lot of people do because to you know? me, when I think of third wave feminism, what I really think of. What stands out to me, number one, and probably because it was very influential to me, and we'll talk more about this whenever we don't have to talk about it right now, is uh-huh. is Riot Girl. Like for me, that's that's third wave, and those well, those girls were tough. Like that's, you know, but that's the thing is that well, Riot they say that Riot Girls is one of the defining kind of moments of mm-hmm. the third wave starting. Yeah, um, it definitely helped kickstart the third wave. For yeah, sure. what I read uh, it says third wave feminists said that these viewpoints should not be limited to the label girly feminism or regarded as simply advocating for raunch culture. Rather, they sought to be inclusive of many diverse roles that women fulfill. Be- 
because feminism stopped being this kind of like, well, we talked um, last full length episode about how a lot of times it was associated with being a lesbian. Right. You know, kind of that. Well, and like, it had been from the beginning, even in first wave. Exactly. It, it was a very masculine type of right. female movement. Yeah, I see what you mean. Where now it's suddenly becoming this girly thing and people... Or you just have to, the freedom to choose that if exactly, that's what you wanted. But the people who don't understand feminism were looking at it and basically being like, oh, it's too girly. Like, remember the real feminists back then when we were this way? You know what I mean? Um, but what I love is that, you know, because I used to be like, I'm not going to do this because, you know, the cool girl thing. You know what right. I mean? Like, I'm not going to do this because I want to be taken seriously mm-hmm. in a certain way. Where now it's like, I like to wear... Like, I like to wear pink, or mm-hmm. I like to do this, but I also like to, I don't know, what's something tomboyish about me? I, I don't I know. I don't know. play I sports. Think. Or... Uh, yeah, I know, right? I know, I'm trying to think. I, I think I used to try and force myself into those, like, I like video games. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. Like, no, you don't, Keegan. I've been told that I have, like, at times I'll have, like, a masculine energy, and I don't know what that is. Um, I don't know. I don't but, even know what that means, honestly, though. I mean, I just get typecast as a lesbian all the time, and, like, I think it's... It was the haircut. But still, <laughs> we talked about this. I'm still getting, like, typecast as that. It's crazy. It's I because know. it's what's on your reel now. They're like, okay, this is what she does. We see. <laughs> well, maybe, I mean, maybe because I don't, I don't typically dress as, like, feminine. Maybe that's more of, like, the tomboy side of me. And but you don't wear a lot of makeup and no, things like that. But that's the thing. And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with that. And, like, sometimes when I do put makeup on, like, today I put, like, some mascara on and I felt like I was like, oh, well, like, now I'm going against what I say. But I was like, what? no. Please. Today I feel like wearing mascara. So no, I'm gonna wear I, mascara. I genuinely want to have an entire episode on makeup. Because no, I feel like, people discount or discredit not only do they discredit women in general who wear makeup or want to do their hair in a certain way or dress in a certain way yeah but they discredit women in general as being yes. shallow or vain or, or whatever. having that be a defining factor of what they think of them or that they're only they doing it to try and you know get, get attention, attention from men for me like when i meet someone like this girl used to come into starbucks all the time who worked at sephora mm-hmm. and i'd be like Girl, your eyeshadow mm-hmm. is bonkers. It's an, it's no a, guy is going to no. say that. No first, guy First of all, cares. if anything, you're trying to I'm, impress other women. If I get a compliment on my makeup from another woman, I yes. am so flattered. Like, I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Because they know the work you put in. They yeah, get it. It's an art like, form. I fucking suck at it. So I'm like, you're amazing. And it relaxes me. Like, I love to sit and do my makeup. I think it's really relaxing. I hate relaxing. taking it off. That's not relaxing to me. Wipes. Wipes have saved my life. Just oh, wipe I'm it just, off. I'm just, I don't know. Um, but, uh, sorry, we, oh, gosh, yeah. we got off track. It is late, guys. Well, should we go, should we talk a little bit about how it started? Yes, I've seen a couple of different things. Same, same. But let's, let's chat a little bit about, because we talked a little bit about, um, Riot Girls. Let's go, let's just dip our toe into that a little bit. Into Riot Girl? Into Riot Girl. Um, um it's a, what, I, this is Wikipedia. <laughs> Okay. It's a subcultural movement that combines feminist consciousness and punk-style politics. Okay, so here is something that <laughs> you should watch. Here's something that... Gosh, I'm... Okay, me doing this podcast is just retelling documentaries to you guys. Everyone should watch The Punk Singer, if you've never seen The Punk Singer. Okay. It's about Kathleen Hanna, who was the lead singer of Bikini Kill, and then she also was, you know, La Tigre, and then I got to see her when she returned to music, when she formed the Julie Run, I got to see them at the Echoplex, and she is a feminist icon, and largely credited with, you know, not kicking off the third wave, but she created the Riot Girl zine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what became Riot Girl. Exactly. It's... They often addressed issues such as rape, domestic abuse, sexuality, racism, patriarchy, and female empowerment. The triple R in girl was intended to reclaim the word girl for women, and it was also used as young Madigan's AIM screen name. (laughs) (laughs) Mad girl. I think that's great. So, sorry, because I just wanted to make this clear. So... Kathleen Hanna did create the zine called Riot Girl, but it was also Allison Wolf, Molly Newman, and Toby Vale. I didn't yeah. want to just be like, she did it all by herself because yeah, yeah. she didn't. But an undated typewritten bikini kill tour fly- flyer answers the question, what is Riot Girl with? Riot Girl is because we girls want to create mediums that speak to us. 
We are tired of boy band after boy band, yep. boy zine after boy zine, boy punk after boy punk after boy, because we need to talk to each other. Communication and inclusion are key. We will never know if we don't break the code of silence, because in every form of media, we see ourselves slapped, decapitated, laughed at, objectified, raped, trivialized, mm-hmm. pushed, ignored, stereotyped, kicked, scorned, molested, silenced, invalidated, knifed, shot, choked, and killed. Because a safe space needs to be created for girls where we can open our eyes and reach out to each other without being threatened by the sexist society and our day-to-day bullshit. Yeah, she's fucking amazing. And something that they did that I thought was so cool was they took this really aggressive scene in the early 90s, which was, like, not only the punk scene, but also, like, the emerging grunge scene that was coming out of that same area in the Pacific Northwest, and made it, like, a safe space for girls, which it was, even when I was in school going to punk shows, it was a highly aggressive male-charged space where if you had mosh pits... yeah you were going to get hurt. Like, you were just going to get... Especially if you were a girl. And she did this really cool thing that I love where she would, at her shows, say... If anyone is harassing you, if anyone's touching you, then come to the front. She would say, girls to the front, all the girls yeah. to the front, all the guys to the back. Like, didn't she have this yeah. point where she was like, be cool for once in your lives, guys. Go <laughs> to the cool back. Be cool for once in your Go lives. to the back. So it was really cool because she created this space that was really for women. Yeah. And she took no shit about it. You yeah. Know? She's one She's of my very heroes. unapologetic. I love that. I definitely want to learn more about them as well. They seem amazing. Yeah. She's one of my... I could talk about her all day. She's one of my feminist I heroes. I love it. Well, but another, another kind of thing that a lot of people see as the beginning of the third wave is... Anita Hill's televised testimony right. in 1991 to an all-male, all-white Senate Senate. Ju- I've had wine and I'm tired. Ju- <laughs> Judiciary. Oh my god. Judiciary. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. Judiciary committee that Clarence Thomas nominated for the Supreme Court of the United States had sexually harassed her. Do you know any like a, a little bit about that case? It's pretty fucked up. A wee bit. I read a little bit about it, and I'm now forgetting a lot of it, so talk. Um, (laughs) So, basically, Clarence Thomas was going to be... He was going to replace... Who was it? Thurgood? I don't know. He was going to replace... I don't know. (laughs) No, I'm like, don't fucking look at me. I don't fucking know. (laughs) Um, But he was going... He was trying to get on the Senate. Yes. And in order to be approved, like, they were, like, you know, looking through his background, and they found this thing that Anita Hill had written this complaint against him, had, like, filed a complaint against him that really hadn't gone anywhere. So they asked her to come and testify Mm -hmm. as to what happened to her. And she testified that he harassed her sexually constantly, constantly talked about his very inappropriate things to be talking with somebody that you work with. And then she wasn't even alone. Like, there were three other women who were waiting to testify who also yeah. had claims against him and they never got to testify and yeah. basically the she was tr- and she testified before like they were all men yeah and they treated her really badly and he yeah. ended up you know becoming a member of the senate but then in 2007 so i, I just want to read this so people understand what kind of man this is yeah go for it In 2007, Thomas published his autobiography, My Grandfather's Son, in which he revisited the controversy, calling Hill his most traitorous adversary and saying that pro-choice liberals who feared that he would vote to out-overturn Roe v. Wade if he were seated on the Supreme Court used the scandal against him. He described Hill as touchy and apt to overreact, (sighs) and her work at the EEOC as mediocre. He acknowledged that three other former EEOC employees had backed Hill's story, but said they had all left the agency on bad terms. He also wrote that Hill was a left-winger who'd never expressed any religious sentiments whatsoever. Oh, how dare she! And the only reason that she'd held a job in the Reagan administration was because I'd given it to her. Oh, whatever. Well, then why'd you give somebody who wasn't qualified that job? Yeah. And I I think I said something wrong here. He wasn't joining the Senate. He was... (laughs) He was joining the Supreme Court. There you go. God. Okay. This isn't all over the place. It's all good. It's all fucking good. (laughs) Did you know that 1992 was dubbed the Year of Women? I did. That's the year I was born. Hey. Hey. What's up? Lucky for you. Did you know where the third wave term came from? Okay. I have read... 
differing reports on this. <gasps> I'm excited. I want to know it. Because I think I know the one that you have. And Yeah, it's the one that everybody like thinks of is Rebecca Walker. Yeah, who's Alice Walker's daughter, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but yes... Because I think that that is like the where it like really like sprang out of. Yeah. But Naomi Wolf claims that when she wrote Beauty Myth in 1990, she uh, wrote something about the third wave, wanting a third wave in the book. Interesting. Yeah, because it says that Rebecca Walker responded to Thomas's appointment to the Supreme Court with an article in Miss Magazine, which is Gloria Steinem. Yeah, and a famous, uh, famous you know, magazine. Becoming the third wave. And she goes, So I write this as a plea to all women, especially women of my generation. Let Thomas's confirmation serve to remind you, as it did me, that the fight is far from over. I am not a post-feminism feminist. I am the third wave. And then she goes on to say, We will progress... What? Oh, when will progressive black men prioritize my rights and well-being? She wanted a racial equality, but without dismissing women. So that right. was kind of her um, racial uh, Because Rebecca Walker is black. She's yeah. Alice Walker's daughter. And I think that was also in, a, in response to... And this is an interesting theme that runs through this like yeah. intersection of like um, race and sex. Yeah. Because it was kind of in response to... People wanted a black people yeah. wanted Anita Hill to like sit down and shut up because Clarence Thomas was a black man and they were like it doesn't matter what he did to you because he's going to do good things to the black community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's not fair and it's not okay. You yeah. know, like to choose and to make other women choose between our your race and your sex. Yeah, and yeah. like our well being as women. Yeah. You know. Oh, so something that kind of led us into the third wave, which is something that we talk about all the time, every episode on the show, is um, the term intersectionality. That was next on my yes. notes too. <laughs> was coined in 1989 um, by Kimberly Williams Crenshaw. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of. It, it it came at just the right time before yep. everything else kind of popped off. Yep. And really, this is the first wave where you're really seeing inclusivity, not just about race and gender, but also class and ability and sexuality. age and sexuality. Yep. It's and so funny because, like, it. I think of intersectional feminism as being, like, a relatively new, like, term. And um, I was like, why did my, like, I had to, like, explain to my mom what it was. And then I was like, that's right. My mom, like, hated the 80s and, like, doesn't know anything about well, the 80s. Well, but, I mean. She, like, skipped it. It's 1989. And also it's, that's like. That's true. It's, it's still fairly new. And yeah. also it's very new to our consciousness, I feel like. I yeah. feel like even I It was didn't... probably something that, like, hardcore feminists knew about. But maybe not, like, the general public. Right. And I think even during the third wave, to me, using the term intersectionality, uh-huh. I don't think really came into being until the fourth wave. Like, I feel like yeah. it was there, but I feel like people didn't call it that. I feel like yeah. they just called it inclusivity or, you know, something else, you know? Definitely. Or genderqueer or, you know, things yeah, like that. Yeah, there was, there was like many different labels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another thing that kind of defined the third wave mm-hmm. was... Or, well, I don't know if it defined it, but it was like a, a big marker is uh-huh. the birth of the internet. Dude, okay, we have the same... Really? Like, uh, yeah, because I was going to say they reached a global audience with blogs and e-zines. They brought in their goals, focusing on um, abolishing gender rule stereotypes and expanding feminism to include women with diverse racial and cultural identities. And I just brought, go internet. I love the idea of e-zines, though. Like, yeah. That seems so funny to me. Like, what does an e-zine look like? I kind of, like, remember it, though. Like, you would... It, it was what kind of that? like a blog. It had a lot of photos... I don't know, if someone can, like, find an e-zine that they read or know about, please send it to us because we want to see. I feel like there's somewhere in my subconscious I'm remembering an e-zine. Because there was a re... I I talked about this, I think, in the hair episode because I wrote for my friend Zine. Uh There was, like, a rebirth of zines. Yeah. In, like, like hipster culture. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. But... It's so much like drawing and 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 writing on it, so that you can like photocopy it and like. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. I don't know how that would translate. Are you like drawing and then like scanning it and then uploading it? You know, probably. Maybe. Yeah, there was probably a lot of steps to it. Um, the third wave, we also saw a lot of new 
terminology along with intersectionality, uh, such as womanism, which was within black feminism, mm-hmm. sex positivity. Which was ve- Alice Walker, Rebecca's walk- walk- Vegetarian walk- ecofeminism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is an activist and academic movement which states that all types of oppression are linked and must be eradicated with a focus on including the domination of humans over non-human animals. That's a thing, yeah. Never heard of that before, and I <laughs> dig it. It's cool. It is cool. Um, you know, trans feminism and postmodern feminism. Vegetarian ecofeminism was the one thing where I was like, duh, what? Like, gotta click on that. <laughs> Need to read more about this subject. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was rad. Arguably, probably the biggest challenge to third wave fe- feminism was the gains of second wave feminism were taken for granted and the importance yeah. of feminism really wasn't understood, which we kind of talked about. Um, I read a little bit about authors um, Baumgartner and Richards, mostly Baumgartner. Oh, yeah, um, okay. They claimed that people had already believed that equality had been achieved, so they didn't really understand right. why yeah, that's kind there of... had to be more. And like, I honestly kind of remember thinking that, too, when I was younger. There's even a friend's quote where Phoebe uh, sarcastically is like, like, we can vote, we can work, what more do we bras yeah, want? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like I was tricked into believing that we were in a post not, not just, yeah, not just a post sexist society, but also like a post racial society in the 90s. Like, I feel oh like, oh my there god, was yeah, this, people told me all the time that racism, racism was didn't over. Exist I, and I, yeah, I was literally told that and I, I believed that. Yeah. You know, because I feel like people, and I feel like that's why third wave feminism got so much pushback Yeah, is because I feel like people believed that I think they believed exactly that thing. Black people yeah. have the right to vote. They are treated just like us now. I don't understand right. what why they're why they why are they upset? Yeah. Why are women upset? They can vote. They can work. And we still see it today. I mean, yeah. if you look at the memes and things that were circulating around the first um, women's march, yeah, they were all things like that. Like I'm not oppressed. Because yeah. of I can I can do everything. How are women oppressed? Tell me how women are, are being oppressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can do whatever I want. Blah, yeah, blah, blah, they blah, blah. they don't see that there are still strides to be made. Right, exactly. and that we're not equal. I mean, well, because a lot of people think that the things that we're standing for right now don't exist. You know, the fact that we are striving for or they're a not a big deal. Where you're right, where it's like you know we're kind of like post structural feminists in a way where like we see issues with with binaries of male and female and, like, the artificial construct uh, created to, like, maintain, like, certain power with, with like, binary gender and mm-hmm. things like that, where a lot of people... Don't see that as an issue. Don't... Well, because they don't see it as being real. Right. You know, to be transgender isn't real. To be that... You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's true. To them, it's not a problem because they believe it's, like, aliens. Well, that's up to, you know, interpretation. Right. And at this you point, I mean? you're just making stuff up. I mean, you yeah. see it as a way of the older generation discrediting the younger generation it's all the time. It's not even the older generation. It's people and like it's like, "Oh, what are you going to be about offended about today? What are you going to what's the new issue of the day?" Like, yeah, but I mean, I, I I say that because specifically, right. I have seen it used recently as a way to discredit generation Z and what they're trying to do as yes. far as like walkouts. I've literally seen them say, "Well, what do you expect from a generation that has 18 different genders and can you know, do the... Like, Who fucking cares? Like, be whatever you want to be. No, totally. But, like, that's exactly their thought process. Is yeah. like, this is stupid. This is what modern feminism has gotten us, and it doesn't make well, sense because I don't believe it exists. But think about this. Remember when we were legalizing gay marriage, and they were like, what, next they're going to want to marry a chair? And, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, it's like people take things Which also, who the way fuck too cares far? if somebody wants to marry a chair? Yeah. Do you care? No. I don't give... It's I not hurting me. Look, man... Other than that, I think there may be some some issues you need to work out. <laughs> yeah. if maybe you should go to a therapist. As long as you're not hurting anyone, I don't give a fuck what Mary you do. Mary ten chairs. That's cool. Yeah, I don't care. If it's just you at home alone with your chairs, that's <laughs> fucking fine. I don't Have care. Have you seen the show um, fucking Strange Addiction? Yes, and she married a train. I saw, no, but I saw the guy with his car and the guy who was in love with the flotation, like the animals, the floating Lo- oh, animals. Oh, yes. And look, man. I love that one. Like, you're not hurting anyone. You're fucking not. Fucking live you're your not. life. Like, you're not. Like, I understand why their family members might be concerned. Yeah. Because also... Have you seen the adult baby one? I love oh, that gosh. one. Where she, like, works as, like, an accountant during the day and then comes home and puts on a onesie and a binky and cl- Look, crawls man, into a crib. Whatever gets you by. Right! But at the same time, just make sure you're healthy. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, 
if it's leading to deeper issues, like, yeah. like, of depression, like, cause that was their concern with the floaty guy. They're like, yeah. he, he might suffer from depression because he's alone yeah. all day with his floaties. Like, and like that's floaties. not mentally healthy. But I don't care if you have a well-balanced life and yep. you just want to go home and snuggle with your floaties. Floaty guys, we fine. feel you. We yeah, get I'm, it. I am pro. No, we don't get it, but we I, I don't feel you. get it, but I'm, I, I respect your right. <laughs> To cuddle with whatever you... I mean, <laughs> there are those, like, guys who have those, like, full-size... Sex do- dolls. Like, or the That was pillows, on the Strange Addictions, too. Or the pillows. Have you seen the pillows? Uh, They're like... Yeah, the, the arm pillows. The, no. The, oh, 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 no. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Her, her, the arm of her dress just went right into her hot toddy. I'm going to drink it anyway. <laughs> um... But the, no, it's a full body like it's one of those like uh, a sex pillow. It it's is. A hole it is a pillow. No, no holes. I was gonna mention big mouth again, but I'm. It's a, <laughs> it's a pill. It's a full size like body size yeah. pillow. But then it has like um um like anime girl on it. Oh, or whatever, and yeah. she's just on it. And then like there are guys who gen. I wouldn't like, genuinely be, have attachments. To I it. wouldn't be surprised. I have a friend of mine that I honestly wouldn't. A couple friends that I honestly wouldn't be surprised if I found out that they had one. Yeah, sex dolls and those pillows, though. Okay, this is this is a a subject for another time. I feel like yes. I feel like we get to have a whole conversation about this because while I respect your right to do whatever you want, I also think there might be some deep seated misogyny in there of just like wanting a girl that to doesn't be an talk object? to yeah. you and like. You can just have sex with and dress however you want, and you and know. then guys are gonna say, but women have dildos. I don't. Okay, hold on. I don't name my dildo <laughs> and fucking you like have a dildo. No, I don't have a dildo. <laughs> I, have, I have other things, but you don't. Have... I'm jealous. I I I'm so cheap. I won't even buy sex toys. I need that. That's what I'm asking for my birthday this year. I'm just saying. There's a sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, no. I'm not calling it Harold and fucking. Like, <laughs> Putting wigs on it and, and clothes and being like, this is my boyfriend, Harold, and taking it with me to parks and shit. Like, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Like, I have a, like, actual I'm living human. you putting a dildo, like, a wig on a dildo. Yeah, Harold. Like long pubes. Oh, my God. Oh. Flip it upside down. It would actually, like, walk on. Okay, I'm sorry. We've gotten way off track. Fuck. People are going to listen to this and be like, it is not going to it's not even about the third wave. It's just us bitching. It's just us saying it's okay to fuck whatever you want and then com- and then complaining that they fuck whatever they there want. There you go. Okay, let's talk about some of the major issues that were covered during the, the third wave. The first one being violence against women. And domestic violence. <laughs> That's what I mean. I was starting to read and then my eyes were like going No, No, I, I understand what you're saying because really the second wave, surprisingly, I think, Maybe it's just because they thought they had bigger fish to fry. But surprisingly, yeah. they really didn't take on things, like, as as hard. They didn't take on things like rape and domestic violence yeah. and, you know, these other subjects that really do directly affect women's lives Yeah, in huge numbers. Well, it, you know? I feel like it started being spoken about in a more broad discussion where before it was so hush-hush. I mean, it's still very hush-hush. If you're in a domestically abusive relationship, a lot of times people don't bring it up. They don't speak about it. But I feel like during the third wave was when people started to become more outspoken about their um, experiences their experiences and their struggles. More of a Me Too kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and, and I also think that it was during the third wave and going into the fourth wave when we really started hearing the narrative shift from well, why didn't you leave, to understanding the cycle of abuse. Yes. And and trying to take the blame off of the woman for not leaving yes. and putting the blame on the abuser. And I feel like the third wave was also a time where women started being more inclusive with each other and less judgmental. Not mm-hmm. saying there are is still so there's still such an issue with women being judgmental of each other that we are definitely still working well, look on. Look at it. Rihanna. I but mean, you that's see when it so much started. Of that. mm-hmm. That's when it people started to, like you just said, understand why maybe someone can't leave an abusive relationship. And even if you don't understand it, maybe have some sort of sympathy for that or person, or like at least empathy. Instead you know? of being like, "Well, I'm a strong woman. I would never let that right. happen to me." You know what I mean? And it I was feel redefining like, strength. Yes, and yeah. I feel like a lot of times feminists in the second and first wave probably were a little bit like that you know what For I mean sure. probably of were course. like well I'm so strong and I'm this and that well, so I, remember, I wouldn't deal with those I things. remember that being the narrative 
even when I was a child, yeah. you know, which was, you know, during the third wave, but I wasn't, And it you know. still is where it's like, well, he's hitting you, leave. Or, yeah, without understanding at all the psychology behind what yes. else could be going on there oh, or yeah. the other difficulties that women in generations past would have faced by leaving. Yes. You know. Well, I mean, think about the like the Catholic Church where divorce was unspoken of. Like yeah. you didn't do that. If you did, you would be shunned. If you were in like a very tight religious group, that was Catholic, and you got divorced, you would be excommunicated. Well, and financially, yeah. it was impossible You didn't for have you any leave. rights. How you are didn't... you supposed to go anywhere? You don't You don't own property. You don't have yeah. a mortgage in your name. You don't have a bank account in your name. And a lot of times, if you went back to their parents, to your parents, they would be like, toughen up, deal with it, and they wouldn't believe you. Or oh, they, yeah, you know your, I mean? your father and I went through some tough times, too. Yeah, It'll you just better. have to stick through it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so really? I do think that conversations and... And that was a big part of, like, the Riot Girl movement as well. They did a lot of talking about, like, and knowing and really acknowledging that it's okay to be really, really mad yeah. about this. And you can you can get up there you and... You don't have to be dainty and feminine about it. You can be Right, you don't have to be angry. polite about how yeah. pissed off you are that yeah. you live in a society where this shit was allowed to happen to you. Definitely. Definitely. And I think that the discussion of rape and sex education was becoming more prominent where it was discussed, you know, what to do in the occurrence of rape. It was taught in schools more. It was talked mm-hmm. about, you know, parents talked to their kids more about it. And Yeah, um, I think really like, the, and I think consent really began, yes. the conversation around consent really began yes. to come out in that time where, I mean, I grew up hearing no means no. Yeah. Like that's, that was something that really came yeah. out of like the 90s. Did you ever hear that? Stop. Don't touch me there. This is my private square. Yes, R-A-P-E. <laughs> Get that thing yeah. away from me. Or when you're in elementary school and you're like, don't touch me in my bathing suit areas. Yeah, or like, yeah, whatever. yeah. Did you ever watch Degrassi? No, I didn't. Are you kidding I know, me? I'm I know. obsessed. I, I like just re- I like a couple years ago started like rewatching it again. I caught um, like episodes now and again when they were like rerunning on there's MTV. There's some great, there's some problematic episodes um, where I can be like, yeah, that definitely gave me some ideas I probably shouldn't have gotten. But there's like a whole rape storyline mm-hmm. um, about like the popular girl who like willingly went up to this guy's room and like knew they were going to hook up mm-hmm. and then he raped her and she was like, no one's going to believe me. And, like, she cheated on her boyfriend when that happened and things right. like that. Right, that whole, so, well, there was a lot of that, like, coming out of, I mean, I, I know that That movie, was, like, the early 2000s, so yeah. that would have been in, you know, third wave time. Well, when I was in school, in health class, they actually had us, they showed us, um, you know, those, like, those stupid, like, where they get, like, cheap actors, like, really low quality, like... Hey, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, no, no. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm we kidding. would be in those for sure. Like, I'm not judging at all. But I am saying, like, you know, when they would have you watch, like, this is what it looks like when you get salmonella. And it's like a guy who's like, Ugh. um, They had those this for... This is like what it, lo- for, what it looks like when you get herpes. <laughs> they did that, too. Yeah. But, like, they had one, actually, for, like, sexual assault and, like, what it looks like and what it is. And, and that... Having that conversation, I think, is directly a result of the work of third wave feminists. Oh, totally. Who were really starting to tackle rape culture in a way that hadn't been tackled before. Well, I mean, I always kind of have my list of, like, prominent feminists, and I'll go through it at the end, but I'm going to talk a little bit about Betty Dodson, who is a big... um, sex educator who is pretty rad. Another issue... Another major issue in the third wave was reproductive rights. It's a consistent issue across the waves. Definitely. (laughs) And um, I I mentioned Baumgartner and Richards, Mm -hmm. and they said, it is not feminism's goal to control any woman's fertility, only to free each woman to control her own. Restrictions on abortion in the U.S., which was mostly legalized in 1973, Supreme Court decision Roe v. Wade, Mm -hmm. were becoming more common in states around the country, and these included mandatory waiting periods, parental consent laws and spousal consent laws when i read spousal consent laws i was like Eeshk! because yeah. what if you're not married what well not married? then i'm assuming that wouldn't apply and i'd be like hey honey can you sign this form mm-hmm. what's it for don't look at it nothing nothing don't worry about it. i'm going on a booze cruise it's fine well, i mean again i encourage communication between partners yes i do encourage that but that's assuming that every relationship is healthy, healthy. and it, you also have to remember that, like, I, I don't know what year it was, but for a long time and in a lot of states, in fact, I think up until very recently, there were still some states that allowed spousal rape. So, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> for sure. Well, and then it's also it's also giving the power to fully to the man and not having it be a conversation. If he doesn't sign, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. happen. Yeah. It's no, it's not a conversation and then ultimately the woman's decision. It's giving He's full signing a power. permission slip. Yes, yeah. it's like your parent trying to let you go to the zoo at school, you know, like it's completely his decision at that point. Mhm. Um, another big issue that was tackled in the third wave is reclaiming derogatory terms. Oh, yeah. And that's something that I feel like I've always been very um, into doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I'm totally a feminist bitch. <laughs> I, you know. Yeah, see, I, I remember the first time I was on, I was really active for a while on Jezebel comment forums. Uh-huh. And there was some article about someone calling someone else a bitch and that person in a in a loving way uh-huh. and that person taking like huge offense to oh it. yeah i had a friend who i would be like sup bitch and she'd be like don't call me that and, like, and that i respect i totally do too but for me i think of it as such an endearing yeah. kind of thing because like, oh, you know when yeah you know when someone's saying it to you and endearing you know when it's derogatory and you know when it's i res- I, I don't say it to Instead people of now someone's like bitch yeah that's when you know you're like "Uh oh yeah i know not to say it to people now because it's the same thing with the hugging thing we're like it's comfortable for me i recognize it's not comfortable for everyone so until i know you i won't do it to you but when i'm with my friends then i'm like yes bitch like you know what i mean yeah but yeah um that song bitch came out in the 90s and that's what she was trying to do awesome that's kind of like with that issue where i had that friend where i called her a wench and she got mad. She got super fucking pissed at me. I think and I may she's have... like, she called me a wench. I think I like, may have even called somebody fuck. a cunt before. But in, like, a loving way. <laughs> yes! It's, it's like... Like, you, like well, playing games, and they, like, they like get you in sorry, and you're like, you're such a cunt. Yes! But, like, in a loving way. <laughs> yes! It's your friend! <laughs> and I was probably like, yo, wench. <laughs> like, in what world is that me being, like... Like... And apparently, like, she was talking to my friend about it. Like, I'm not going to fucking hear that you're talking about me to my friends behind my back. And she was like, yeah, she called me a wench. And this girl, like, this other girl over listening was like, that's, like, a snobby way of her calling you a bitch. I was like, what the fuck? Like, Well, and here's the thing. And I just want to clarify this, since we are having this kind of conversation of, like, I don't understand. I get it. I get that people are different and some people are sensitive. But say something about it. And I'm pretty sure she did say something and I was like, I'm kidding. Where like, but that's something that if you, I feel that if you honestly have an issue with a friend doing something. Right. You should go to them. Yes. And it's not just a quick like, what the fuck, but like actually have a real conversation with them. Like I've had issues with friends where I'll have to like, you know, kind of just write things down and, you know, send them along text or whatever, as a lot of people probably hate. But for me to get all my thoughts together, I have to do that sometimes and just be like, look, you said this thing or you did this thing. And I know it's not a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to me. And if we're going to be friends, I want you, you and I to be on the same page. Right. And then this person's like, oh my God, I really didn't mean to and then you, you like that. Their apology. And then, yes. And then you say, cool, let's move forward instead of making it right. this big Thing, yeah, because you have to understand that everyone's different, and yeah. you calling you calling me a bitch or like me calling you a slut, and kind of like to me that those terms yeah. we have kind of reclaimed those terms, and I yeah. love that we've reclaimed the, yeah. reclaimed those terms. Some people aren't there yet, and yeah. you see it in the black community all the time with like the totally. n word, where people will yeah. will say it to each other. And to me, my family do, like not my fam- like my cousins do it, and I'm like it doesn't bother me. Yeah, but I I totally respect another black person who has no tolerance for that. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing, is as long as there's an open conversation, it's up to each person's rule book, really. Oh, another word that I had written down here was spinster. Which I love. I think that's hilarious. I think that's hilarious. You damn spinster. I didn't know that we'd reclaimed that, but I love that we have. I'm going to start calling all of my single friends spinsters. I think that that's amazing. I think that's hilarious. I dig it. Ingo Musio wrote that we're free to seize a word that has kidnapped and co-opted in a pain-filled distant past with the ransom that costs our grandmother's freedom, children, traditions, pride, and land. And I just thought that was 
Kyle. Damn. Damn, she fucking went there. She did the damn thing. Um, Taking back the word bitch was fueled by the single All Women Are Bitches, 1994, by the all-woman band Fifth Column, and by the book Bitch in the Praise of Difficult Women, 1999, by Elizabeth Wurzel. And also, I hate the world's day. (laughs) That is a good karaoke jam. I like to do that that one. I do that a lot. Yeah. She sings really low, though, and I sing very high. Yeah, it's hard for me. You gotta get into that low register. I hate the world's day. And then when you get up into bitch, it like... It, like, changes keys. I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. Okay. But I also kind of love it that I don't... I have mixed feelings about Madonna. We have issues. Yeah. We have issues. Yeah. We've had Um, words, but we haven't. But... But... I do love that when she had that quote where it was like, what was it? Where it was just like, women get to be bitchy when men get to be the boss or whatever it was. Oh, no. I can't remember. I should look it up, actually. Yeah, look it up. Uh, Well, then, while you're looking it up, I'll start touching on the slut walks, which began in 2011 after a Toronto police officer's remark stating, women should avoid dressing like sluts in order not to be victimized. How about you don't fucking touch us without our permission? How about that? Yeah. Well, I just remember that happening. I remember when that came out and oh, being that like, makes me so mad. What the fuck? It makes me so mad. Some feminist bloggers criticized criticized the campaign, which was something about the reclamation of a violent word such as the word slut was questioned. Where they to them that word was too it was too far. And again, again, you totally have the right to feel that way. Yeah. But women slut- also totally have the right to to feel whatever way they want about yeah, it. Yeah, slut is not one for me personally. That's like a general term that I'll use. Um, I, I, don't, sent, I don't call my friends sluts No, either. me. I, that's one for me that I'm like not fully on board with all the time. I understand reclaiming it, but I'm not going to be like, sup, slut, well, have a dinner. I also think that slut, what it really meant was a way of a, a way of claiming promiscuity in, yeah. in, in a positive light, in a way. Not, yeah. Because it was like, Men have been allowed to get away with this, like, promiscuity thing for forever. Yeah. And they're never called sluts. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you don't get to tell me how many sexual partners I have. And yeah. if you want to call me a slut because I've had a lot of sexual partners, well, I'm not ashamed of that, so fine. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I think that's really where it came from, where it was just like, yeah. I'm loudly proclaiming that I have sex. and. Yeah. I do it because I want to, and I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that. Exactly. You know. Did you find the Madonna quote? My internet is not working right now. Oh, bummer. Some other issues the third wave regarded was race, social class, trans rights, sexual liberation, which she also found it. Already spoke about. And Madonna quote. I'm tough, I'm ambitious, and I know exactly what I want. If that makes me a bitch, okay. Yeah, I know that one. You're right. I dig it. I love it. Okay. Sorry. Um, as well as workplace matters such as glass ceiling, unfair maternity leave policies, motherhood support for single moms by means of welfare and childcare, respect for working mothers, and the rights of women who decide to leave their careers to raise children full time. That last part is something for me that I feel like is still such a point of contention in the feminist such movement. Such a heavy it feminist is. issue where it's like we want to be like, yeah, go out and be in the workforce, and then it's like, but what about your kids? And then the women who decide to stay home be stay-at-home moms they're seen as unfeminist which yeah isn't the which case is, is at not all. fair no and i have forever forever been a proponent of do whatever's right for you and your family and, your family. and feminism should allow for that and that's what it should be and about to be supporting to support each other too you know it talks about welfare child care it's so tough for so many people especially single moms to be able to afford proper care to be able to work and take care of their kids and there needs to be more systems in place that support those people Mm -hmm. and if there's if the government isn't going to put those systems in place then we as fellow women need to be able to support each other Mm -hmm. and to like but help as much as we can i agree entirely and i also think that part of that is advocating for policies that support support women because Definitely. we can't be there for every woman and no. there, you know there might be no, some women who because are because you have lives too. Yeah, and there but, might be some women who are alone and like and it's un and it's not okay that we're like leaving those women out in the cold. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. And they need to be Okay, that's a different issue. <laughs> like Okay. That goes into minimum wage. We don't need to talk about that yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a lot. Uh, let's talk about we already we kind of opened with some of the criticisms. Yeah. I mean, just like always there's kind of like there's a lot of uh 
racial issues involved with it on whether or not it's inclusive or not. But I mean, thank God this is when intersectionality started mm-hmm. kind of becoming a thing. But there's, yeah, not, there's I mean, always going to be a struggle between that. I think that. there are aspects of it that aren't super inclusive. Yeah. However, because I think... Because white feminism is a thing. Well, and because that's how the feminist movement started. And I yeah. feel like what's so odd is that Well, you know, actually, it's not that odd, because we see it with every generation and the generation beneath them, where there's this, you've created something, and you have this resistance to give it up. And I think we see that with second-wave feminism and third-wave feminism, where Uh second-wave feminists really didn't want to, like, they didn't want the definition of feminism to change, and they didn't... Yeah. You know, they, 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 felt, wanna... they felt very attached to it. Well, if we're thinking back to the history of feminism again in the first wave, it started with the abolitionist movement. Mm-hmm. It started inclusive, and it became more and more exclusive as time went on. And I think the third wave was the first time in a long time that people looked and were like, this isn't okay. We need to get back to why we started doing well, this in the first place. And I think it's more than that, because I think in the first wave, although... It was born out of the abolitionist movement, which was racially inclusive. They were not inclusive of lower classes. No, you not know, at all. and they weren't inclusive of the idea. I mean, of course, it was a different time, but they they absolutely like were not inclusive of the idea of like different genders and and things like that. And also, yeah. a- another thing that I don't think we've touched on yet that was something that happened during the third wave was this idea of being inclusive of other cultures too yes and the women in other cultures where we were saying like we were op- our eyes and probably due to the internet our eyes were more open to the horrors that women around the world faced yes and exactly. feminism wanted to be inclusive of that it wasn't just a westernized thing anymore yeah i mean you see that even in western cultures there's that meme that went viral a few years ago that was like the woman that had the marks, oh, oh, on, the her legs, marks on her leg yeah. where it's just like you go from either being like a prude if it's all the way down at your ankle to being a slut if it's all the way up on your thigh, your yeah. your skirt length. You know, so it's just like that's the thing, it's like you might as well do what you want because exactly people are gonna criticize you no matter what you do. Yep. But I also do love, and I think this is gonna be more of a fourth wave thing, uh-huh. but I do love that the inclusivity of religions and uh-huh. like hijab and all of that stuff yes. really came to the forefront. Yeah, it was it definitely started during that time. Mm-hmm. Going back a little bit to like the girly feminism a lot of second wave feminists had an issue with it because it was such a stark contrast against uh like the anti-pornography strains of feminism oh, yeah. mm-hmm. where you know that was a lot of like what the second wave was about was seeing it as objectifying to women where third wave was like well but if that's a woman's choice then we should you know support sex workers and what they do and i think it's definitely a really complex issue and i see it definitely i is. see why it's very polarizing for people yeah. like i do see that because i do think that there is a lot of porn and i do think that playboy a lot especially of porn can be very problematic but, very but there's also there's but there are very also women female who centric porn and there are also you can't discount women who choose to do that for exactly. a living. Exactly. You can you can you can be upset about the porn that's being made, but you can't be mad at someone for making well, that personal choice. And, and for themselves. here's here's the thing though, like I think a lot of the criticisms people have about porn now is that they're there is concern about, like, trafficking and things like that, where there isn't consent there. Or things in the porn industry where there is consent, but then someone crosses a line during, and then, like, what do you do? And that's the thing, is there's a line. Right. But 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 there are women out there who actively choose, want to do it. Yeah. It's a job for them. And we... And the thing is, like, that always makes me, like... It's the men who are criticizing porn... Yeah. Who are the ones who are probably consuming it. And I'm like, yeah. you can't consume a product and then and then belittle the person who's delivering yeah. you that product. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. that, what does that make you? Exactly. You know? I completely agree. Completely agree. You know, and, and honestly, that's, that's going to be a lot of people's minds first reaction where, you know, they're going to be like, oh, this person is less than. And it's it's going to take some relearning. You know what I mean? If you catch yourself saying those things, which I catch myself saying things sometimes. Of course. It's and you deeply just, embed- and, embedded in us. Yeah. And something that I read a while ago that really stuck with me is that it's not what your first initial thought is. It's how you react to that thought. Yeah. What is You're that not a thing? bad person because something bad came into your mind. Yeah. Uh, you can't always help the things that you think 
off well, the top I mean, of your head. Well, I mean, and I think that there was a thing that I read that was like, your first thought is conditioning. Uh-huh. It's, it's societal conditioning. What matters is your second thought, because that's who yes. you really are. And it's how you, know? you, it's how you react to that initial mm-hmm. thought. And I think as long as we start teaching ourselves to think in different ways, even if it's not your go-to. And look, you don't even have to agree with it. No. Honestly. Like, you don't have to agree with it to say that you don't get to tell somebody else how to live their exactly, life. Exactly. You know? And I think... And also, like, while we're on this subject, the reason why I think it's an important part of feminism is because sex workers deserve safety. Yes. And they don't deserve to be second-class citizens. And they deserve <clears throat> when there's times of, you know, non-consent and things like that. And they the deserve workplace, to be taken deserve, seriously. Yeah, and they deserve yeah. a, a safe place. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So we're hitting that hour mark soon. So should we start, uh, should I start listing some third waivers? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So first off, I have Tori Amos, who I know about, but don't know Have you never listened about. to any Tori Amos? I think I've listened to some, and I've been aware of her, but I've never, like, really dove into that. I like Tori Amos. She seems pretty rad. She's cool. She answered the ceremonial first call to launch the hotline in June of 1994 of the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, or RAIN. RAIN, yeah. Yeah, she was the first national spokesperson for the organization, and she's continued to be closely associated with them. They had, like, a 50th anniversary concert that was all to the benefit of rain uh so that's cool gloria e anzeldua i don't know i like her she is an american scholar of chicana cultural theory feminist theory and queer theory uh very like she's often associated with like chicana feminism post-colonial feminism talking about she grew up like on the texas mexican border I would be so fascinated to go hear her speak. She's, from just like the little bit that I read about her, she's on the top of my list of people that I'd like to read more about. Uh, She seems very fascinating. And I think that a lot of times things are still seen very black and white, where we forget about Asian cultures, Latino cultures. Yeah, no, exactly that. I would love to... I would really, really love to go hear speakers from all different walks of life for them to tell me about their feminism because it's going to be different from yours. It's always going to be different. And that's something that I don't know as much about that I would love to learn more about. My next feminist is a question mark. I didn't know she was problematic and she's a little problematic and that's Margaret Atwood. Okay, why is she problematic? Tell me. She doesn't like to associate herself with with the the word word feminism. feminism. And she's also, and she's kind of said some things about the Me Too movement that aren't oh, great. What bums me She's, out hard. She has signed she signed a petition in support of some political asshole where he and she no. was she, but she was saying that it was because of something else. I don't remember. She just, she's one of those people that I feel like is a feminist but doesn't want to believe it. Um, well, okay. But she's become a feminist icon. I mean, The Handmaid's Tale. Have you seen Alias Grace? I have. Oh, yeah, I loved so good. it. And the, and the Handmaid's Tale, have you read it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's so freaking good. So good. And it is definitely a feminist work. It if, is. Even if and she I doesn't think, realize that. Right. And I think that she does... I think that she does believe in everything that she's written. I just think that she's some people have a really hard time with the word. It's a it's a mental blocker for the word feminism, and and that was an issue for a lot of people for a really long time. And so I get it. And there's, but there's just certain problematic things that she's done where I, don't I didn't get it know anymore. she was problematic. You know? No, anymore it doesn't make any sense. But years ago, I I'll, during I would let it pass during the third wave. I do get it because totally. there was so much such hate a negative connotation for to it. feminists yeah. at that time that I'm like, okay, I understand. Yeah, you know, I had a negative idea of it. Agreed. Well, so that's that's another thing that I'd like to look into a little bit more because you know. I had never heard that before until today. Yeah, we should have... um, Well, I definitely wanted to have a Problematic Faves episode anyway. Yes. Where we we break down people that we we love, but also break down why they're problematic. Yeah, and it's like, well... Maybe that's just one source that's saying, you know, I gotta look into my sources well, and, more and too. And here's so. the thing: here's the thing about problematic faves. It doesn't mean you can't still love what, what they've, they've done, done yeah, what they yeah. put out, and and it also doesn't mean that they as people are 
bad. are bad. Right. You know what Nobody's I mean? Nobody's perfect. Just, Nobody's 100% flawed, anything. You yeah. know? Um, I mentioned Jennifer Baumgartner a little bit in this episode. She was a writer, activist, filmmaker, and lecturer whose work explores abortion, sex, bisexuality, rape, single parenthood, and women's power. She is most known for her contribution to the development of third-wave feminism. So she's that's very much what she's known for and opened up that conversation a lot for a lot of people. Patricia Hill Collins a distinguished university professor of sociology at the University of Maryland College Park. She's also a former head of the Department of African American Studies at the University of Cincinnati and a past president of the American Sociological Association Council. She was the 100th president of the ASA and the first African American woman to hold this position. Collins' work primarily concerns issues involving feminism and gender within the African American community and she is a um, black feminist. She's I don't know big on a lot about feminism. her yeah yeah but it i find this so interesting um i'm in a group on facebook called it's a women of color group yeah and that came out of pantsuit nation which that's a whole separate conversation yeah but um they and there was a, a black woman who was just like this is for you know black women of color only to answer on this thread what do you call yourself yeah like do you call, associate yourself with the term feminism and it was the first time that i really saw that like a lot of black women do not. They either yeah. want to be called black feminists or they want to be called womanists. womanists. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Which so I think is fine. I think that it all ties in the same boat. You know well, what I mean? It's absolutely all in the same boat. And I understand where it came from, where you're saying, like, we need a movement of our own. Yeah. You know, and we need a section if of this pie that's ours. You can't wait for the white girl to be saying things that are going to help yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So she she was very strong in the black feminist movement. I mentioned Betty Dodson earlier, another one that I really want to learn more about. She um, is an American sex educator. She was a former adult film star. Interesting. She, yeah, she pioneered in pro-sex feminist movement. Uh, her workshops, she actually, she would have, like, masturbation workshops. Okay. Well, she, like... <laughs> no, sorry. I realized that came out, again, see? Initial thought. It came out very judgmental. If you want to go to that, great. It was more so because she was trying to encourage women to masturbate instead of it being such a secretive. Can we do that over the phone though? Because I don't want you to like. I don't want. I don't want to do it in front of you. You want to do it? No, I don't think they fucking masturbated in front of each other. I don't think it was like an like an icky cookie situation. Well, you don't know. When I was watching Beautiful When She's Angry, like that was one of the things they did. Like pro sex, they would go and into meetings, into rooms with each other, not masturbating, but they would get speculums and mirrors, and they would all sit. With a speculum up there, fucking looking at their junk. And I'm like... I mean, honestly... Interesting. I'll do it at home by myself. Thank you very much. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Great. Great if you guys are cool with that. (laughs) I just don't want to. I think at the time, I probably would have been one of those people that did it, though. Like, I can see it. I would have been like, I'm good. Like, I'll drop you off. I'll take you. I support you 100%. Just like, I don't want my own vag spread out for Yeah. Everyone. Well, she was just, she had like manuals and workshops that encouraged women to masturbate and like had sexual well, education. Well, I think that's and, great. Yeah. I don't think it was like an icky cookie situation. Oh, okay. It was just like a, it was just like a talk. That's fine. A seminar. Can you imagine if girls had an icky cookie game? What the hell is that? <laughs> icky cookie? No. It's where, I'm so sorry. I might have to cut this out. It's no, where, go, go. It's where men all masturbate onto a cookie <gasps> or cracker, and then whoever, like, comes last has to no. eat <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> it's in Big Mouth. That's also in Big Mouth. I don't know if that's... Is that a thing? A real thing? Yes! It's got a bunch of names to it, but Icky Cookie is one of oh, them. No. It's like a group of men jack off, and whoever comes last. Has I like to that it. you were doing the motion. <laughs> I want everyone to know that Madigan was doing the jack off motion to her crotch. Oh, okay. Sorry. Back to Dodson. God. Um, oh, actually, here we go. Dodson's workshops and manuals encourage women to masturbate, often in groups. So there no. you go. <laughs> No. Hard no. Come on, Hard Keegan. pass. Hard pass. Keegan, Mm-mm. come on. Let's do it. Not even on FaceTime. Um. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe I'm a prude, but no. No, I just fucking love you so much. <laughs> Although bisexual herself, she repudiates the label that defines sexuality. She's very okay. one of those non-label people, which Pan-sex- is fine. Pansexual, maybe? No, well, she's just... no label, but... 
She just doesn't want to label herself. Um, next, we're going gonna go into Bell Hooks, who we talked about in the Love past. Bell Hooks. Yep, Gloria yeah. Jean Watkins, better known as her pen name, Bell Hooks, is an uh, American author, feminist, and social activist. Her writing is focused on the interconnectivity of race, capitalism, and gender, and what she describes as their ability to produce and perpetuate systems of oppression and class domination. Yes, girl. Rad woman. Next, uh, next and last is Rebecca Walker, who oh, yes. we talked about a little bit earlier. I in love the generations of feminists. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Her writing, teaching, and speeches focuses on race, gender politics, or gender, comma politics, power, and culture. In her activism work, she helped co-found the Third Wave Fund that morphed into the Third Wave Foundation, an organization that supports young women of color, queer, intersex, and trans individuals have tools and resources they need to be leaders in their communities through activism and philanthropy. All good things. When I was reading about her, I had her up, um, because I was like reading about her, and I was just like, oh gosh, I want to be your friend you know like she seems like someone who would have wanted to have been friends oh i can see that uh in 94 time named walker as one of the 50 future leaders of america wow in what 94 94 nice i'm gonna point out that i have 12 percent battery left on my computer and if we don't save this bitch we're gonna be fucked okay Uh, we don't need any other issues Um, so how do we want to wrap up i enjoy talking (laughs) about okay hold on let me just say this before we totally wrap up yes um the women at woman got back to us, and it is not it's woman. It is not woman. It is woman. <laughs> it's woman. And we definitely want you to check them out. We only have twelve percent left, so but it's we will spelled womb. Yin. Yes. And I again, I linked it in the last full-length episode. I will link it again in this one. Yes. And we will talk. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being here with us on this kind of crazy, loopy, all-over-the-place late-night episode. We're tired. I love the loopy ones the most, though. <laughs> I know. I just... I, I always do it, and then I'm like, I could have done so much better. And so oh, I'm so I'm sorry about that. But we hope that you had fun because we had fun. Yeah, and we encourage you to, to rage, rage on. on. That's the best we've done. <gasps> We're so good, Keegan. <laughs> hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.